0: Welcome to the Limited Slip Podcast, your week's automotive news in 20 minutes. We compress all the news in the auto, motorcycle, and racing worlds for you into our 20-minute podcast. Your hosts are me, Dave, an attorney and car importer, and Borja, the mechanic extraordinaire. This is Dave and Borja on this week's Limited Slip Podcast. This episode of the Limited Slip Podcast is brought to you by Retromobile Designs. If you are looking for auto and racing themed t-shirts that look cool to the average show, but get an approving nod from other gearheads, check them out at retromobiledesigns.com. That's designs.com All right, well, let's get started. So today we're going to start off with some quick news. We're going to talk about Tesla. I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm a little bit tired of talking about Tesla news, but this is... This is uh, it's pretty interesting, so we'll, we'll get to it and we'll get it out of the way first. So, Tesla has had some more um, quality issues, shall we, shall we say. It turns out that the Model 3 rear bumper tends to fall off when it gets wet, so Tesla has claimed this was not a problem for a while, but there's now been enough people with this issue that they've decided to not issue a recall, but to fix under warranty any damage caused when your bumper falls off. So it turns out that standing water causes the adhesive to fail, and so then the bumper falls off while you're driving. But you convenient. Be- yeah, quite, quite inconvenient. And it, yeah, it, it, the issue is is really with the standing water. So like if you try to forge your Tesla through a river, then your bumper is going to fall off. But it's not just that it's uh, if it gets wet enough, like if it's raining really, really hard, and it's and like the wheels are tossing up water onto the rear bumper, then that can cause it to fail also. So That's an interesting, you know, we've seen quite a few of these really interesting uh, failures uh, from Tesla. It seems like their adhesive department needs some work. But so next we have some news on Tesla's self-driving beta. So Tesla's famous for their autopilot feature, which is basically an enhanced cruise control. But now they're deploying what they're calling the, quote, full self-driving end quote beta and i think that that name's a little bit deceptive but basically they're limiting this rollout of this feature to some select customers basically they're super fans and influencers and and whatnot and they're testing it and it's a, kind of a level two driver assist system it's not really self-driving which is kind of my beef with the naming But basically it'll do that same stuff, but off highway. So it'll, you know, change lanes, it'll follow a fork in the road, it'll do some curves and and whatnot. Um, So you can take your hands off the steering wheel and it'll, you know, follow the curve while you're on this cruise control. It's pretty, pretty nifty, but I don't know why they have to come out with these names. Like it just seems kind of dishonest to me to call it full self-driving when really it's just kind of an enhanced
1: cruise control. It's, it's as close as full self-driving that we have right now uh, because not only does everything that you said, but it'll also recognize uh, uh, city lights. So if it, it's green, it'll go ahead and go right through it. It'll recognize if it's a red light and it'll stop for you. Um, uh, so, you know, it recognizes stop signs too, or so they claim. So, you know, right now it is a beta program. So it's being t- it had already been tested internally, and now it's been released to, like you said, a limited select uh, people to do some additional beta testing. So as of right now, it's the closest thing that we have to a full self-driving vehicle. Uh, that said, it's still in beta.
0: Because the more si- the more trust that you put in the system, the less attention the driver is going to give while they're using it. I feel like that puts people in danger and causes a lot of con- confusion with the consumer.
1: Yeah, it could cause them some confusion. I mean, all you have to do is go to YouTube and type in Tesla autopilot accidents, and you'll see several accidents that have happened because people have just not been paying attention. They just believe that, oh, as long as it's an autopilot, I don't have to do anything, uh, which it is in the case. Well, kind of along these same lines, Consumer Reports did a, they did like a
0: big test on these advanced driver aid systems. I think it was uh, 13 different manufacturer systems that they tested and they they found that Cadillac Super Cruise was actually the best one. And in second place was Tesla's Autopilot. Now, the big difference between the two is that the Super Cruise actually has a, uses an infrared camera kind of up by the... You know I, up above the driver so it monitors your eyes and sees if you're paying attention and the basically the difference was they said the the features and the capabilities are more or less the same and and if anything actually the tesla system is slightly more capable but we just feel like it's a lot less safe because the super Cruise system it monitors you it monitors your breathing it monitors your eyes and sees if you're actually uh, attentive to the road and if you're not then it'll give you warnings and so it involves the driver much more and makes sure that the driver is actually paying attention um i yeah i think that i've watched some of these uh, tesla crashes while they're using autopilot on youtube the one that really grabbed my attention was there was a a tesla it was following another car was on you know super it was on its cruise control and The driver wasn't paying any attention. He was filming this video and the car in front of him wasn't paying attention either, but two cars in front of him had stopped. And so the car directly in front of the Tesla ran into the back of this car and then the Tesla ran into the back of that car and the driver was actually uh, seriously injured. So that's something that if you're a driver and you're paying attention, you're going to see, oh, the car's ahead of me. They stopped. So you're going to slow down and the the tesla the car using its radars and its cameras it doesn't see you know two cars ahead it only sees the car that's directly in front of you and i feel like this cadillac Super Cruise, which they're going to roll out on other gm products i feel like that's a lot better way of doing it to make sure that you're to ensure that you're actually paying attention
1: yeah so i think also one of the big differences is on the tesla if you know, every so many seconds, I'm not sure exactly how many, you do have to uh, touch the steering wheel. And if you don't, then autopilot will be deactivated. And basically what happens is if you don't touch it, you get a, an audio warning. Yeah, And after getting the audio warning, then it's when the, the system gets deactivated. With Cadillac, it's a little bit different because you actually get blinking lights, you get an audible, uh, an audio warning, as well as a seat vibration. Yeah. So um, Cadillac uh, and- does offer a bit more when it comes to making sure to, or alerting the customer to pay attention.
0: And the other thing is that the Super Cruise will actually, if you continue to not pay attention, you ignore the warnings, it'll actually pull the car over to the side of the road. So that way, if you're, uh, you know, if you're someone who has an issue with seizures and you had a, you know, a massive seizure or something and you were, or a heart attack or, you know, I don't know what it would actually pull the car over and it'll, the car will call the, uh, emergency services. So I, I think it's actually pretty interesting. I feel like that's a safer way
1: to do it. It's interesting. Okay. Do you think that those, do you think those systems are worthwhile? Um, you know, I when I test drove the Model Y uh, about a week ago, I I thought it was very nice to have it, especially, well, it depends on your situation, of course. Uh, for daily commute on the freeway, I think it works really well. Uh, for city driving, I have no idea. I haven't tested it out, so I can't say. Um, the, pro- the, the thing with uh, autopilot, though, is it's starting to become... A very expensive feature, because here's the thing: you can have autopilot, and you can have what they call now enhanced full driving capabilities. So the autopilot, you can that comes standard with every Tesla that you buy. It works on the freeway. It doesn't change. I believe it doesn't change lanes for you, but it's a radar guided cruise control. So and that works very well and it's able to keep you in the lane as well. That's what you get with the included Tesla. But if you wanted the full enhanced um, autopilot, which means that you can go into the navigation system, type in an address, and then the car will, will, or so Tesla claims, will pretty much take you to that address. It'll merge to the freeway, merge out of the freeway change lanes by itself. Um, That right now is an $8,000 option. And Tesla has announced that coming Monday, maybe Tuesday of this next week, it'll go up to a $10,000 option. So now it's starting to become very expensive for what you get because it's still not a refined system. Yeah, And they're asking ten grand for it. I mean, to be
0: honest, I don't feel like I would use it. I was telling my wife about it because she's not someone who particularly enjoys driving she doesn't dislike driving but she's not into it and she was like well if i still have to pay attention what's the point like i would rather save my ten thousand dollars and if i
1: have to pay attention anyways just drive because it's not that hard and that's why i think that the the autopilot being included in the price i think it's good enough um, versus a the ten thousand dollar full driving experience. I think if if the full driving experience was a, a two or three or maybe even four thousand dollar upgrade, I think it would make a lot more sense.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, moving on, we have the twenty twenty one Ram fifteen hundred TRX. The T Rex. It's been uh, tested by a couple magazines, and we have some interesting acceleration results. So the thing's fast. It's it, It'll do zero to 60 in 4.1 seconds according to Motor Trend. Does the quarter mile in 12.7 seconds at 106 miles an hour. And also importantly, it got a whopping 12 miles per gallon. That's the EPA rating. Their, their test, their uh, real world e- miles per gallon was significantly less than that. So, it's fast. It uses a lot of gas. The thing actually seems to be really, really great. Everyone who's driven it really loves it. So that's maybe not even a surprise, but.
1: Yeah, it's a truck that, you know, it puts a smile on your face. Uh, it's just, it's probably the most fun truck that you can buy and drive today in, in, in the market. So uh, why is there not to like? Plus, Dodge has been, or Ram has been on point with their interiors for the last. You years so. yeah
0: yeah i think maybe surprisingly people said that it drove it, the the ride quality was really good it was more luxurious and a smoother ride than they thought that even the raptor was
1: mm-hmm.
0: so and it's also it is significantly faster than the raptor it's maybe not a surprise it has a larger engine and it's much more powerful but the again 0 to 60 and 4.1 the raptor will do 0 to 60 um also of of note the 2004 ram srt 10 this you know rear wheel drive ram that was you know lowered and had the viper engine it did 0 to 60 in 4.9 seconds so you know we're we're significantly faster than even that in fact we're faster than um like a mustang a bullet the subaru wrx and audi s4 a Lamborghini Diablo is about the same as a Tesla model. Y. Like it's pretty, it's pretty quick.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty quick. No question. And you know, even though it's estimated to only get 12 miles per gallon. Well, if you can afford buying one of these consumption is going to be the leap of your problems. So,
0: yeah, well, and with gas prices in the U S right now under $2 a gallon, like, yeah.
1: you know, you're happy to pay that, uh, Miles per gallon for the fun that they can give you. So. Yeah. Yeah. How about smiles per miles? How about that? Miles per miles. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So.
0: Before we get to the rest of the show, take a moment to subscribe. If you enjoy our insights and want to help keep our lights on, you can visit our businesses. Borja runs a full service auto repair shop in Orem, Utah. You can find him on Facebook at auto Pros Utah. And trust me, he really can't fix anything. I import cars from South America and Europe, primarily classic trucks like FJ40s and Land Rovers, but I can help you source any classic car in any condition that you want, from cars that were never sold in the US to trucks that are just cheaper with less rust overseas. Visit me at davethecarimporter.com. There's no reason for you to not have the car of your dreams, even if it is forbidden fruit. Next, I wanted to say, it looks like Alpine is going to change a little bit what they are. So Evo did an interview with, uh, with the boss of Renault, uh, Luca de Mayo, and he said that Alpine is going to basically go from this kind of low-volume sports car maker. Right now, they make one model. They don't make very many of them. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty cool car, the A110. And they're going to transform into making basically high performance versions of Renault's. They'll also do some like electric, electrified versions of Renault's. So this is, you know, they're going, they're not going to be a mini cheap Pagani anymore. They're going to be a, like a Volvo Polestar or a
1: Mercedes AMG. It makes sense in a way, because I mean, they haven't been, a, the, the A110 is, as you said, the only car that they right now make which everybody who has the chance to drive one has said that it's, it's an, it's an incredible car. It's not a very powerful car, but just the way it, uh, it drives, it's such a light car. It handles incredibly well. It, it's an experience to drive it. So, um, of course they want to, I'm sure, increase revenue in, in the, in the brand. And you yeah, can do that by two ways, either producing more cars unique to them or, probably an easier route is to become the AMG of uh, Renault, which does make a little bit more sense uh, for, for them.
0: So, uh, and we said that we thought they were going to go this route once they announced that the Renault Formula One team was going to be changed, the name was going to be changed to the Alpine Formula One team. Yeah. So this 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 makes a lot of sense with the way that they've been moving.
1: Yep. Yeah. Okay, uh, moving on, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Mercedes, uh, specifically the S-Class AMG. Some sad, sad news, which is normal V12. It's gonna likely be replaced by a four liter twin turbocharged V8 uh, as in the current S63. um, And it's probably gonna be around the 700 horsepower range. And just like every other S-Class that has come before, it, it's gonna be heavy.
0: But yeah, the interesting news here is that this four liter twin turbo V8, which is pretty much going to be the same engine that they use right now in the S 63 and the E 63 and the AMG GT and all these cars, but it's going to be, okay. it's, it's going to be hybridized. So there, it, it is a fantastic engine. And, and to be honest, it weighs less and it produces the same power as the V12, even though I think the V12 has a better character. But then you're going to add the hybrid power plant onto it and it's going to be, you know, increased performance that way. So I'd like to say, move on a little bit into some truck news. So the Nissan Frontier has been around for a while, right? I mean, I think it's, uh, it's what, 16 years old, the current design? It's
1: It's been around since Moses. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I think as of today, it's the oldest current body style pickup truck that, that hasn't changed. I mean, it's, maybe
0: maybe vehicle.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 been with us for a very long time. The only thing that has happened over the last, uh, I think it was year year and a half, is that they did change the powertrain because yeah. for fourteen fifteen years they were still using the four liter V six, and now they're using a new three and a half liter V six. Um, but yeah, it's been around forever.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Attila the Hun used the Nissan Frontier to drive across Asia. I think. I think moses used one when he went in across the red sea i think abraham lincoln drove drove one to the gettysburg address too so
1: yeah yeah i mean it's 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 been around forever yeah <laughs> well, what's going but, on with them? are they finally releasing a new version
0: yeah they've they didn't want to let us know that they were but it looks like some images have leaked and we can see the whole the whole thing so it has a whole new styling language. It looks a little bit like a like a miniature very modern Nissan Titan. It's a little bit more aggressive than the current one, but it's not it doesn't follow this trend of being just huge and blocky. It still kind of has a sleek shape while still looking um, aggressive and maybe even manly, I would say. But it, it looks like a nice modern truck.
1: It does. I've actually looked at the uh, Elite uh, pictures and it, it does look like a very nice update of the Frontier. Um, it's, it's, it's bold, uh, it, but it's not too bold. Um, I actually think it looks better than the current generation Tacoma. Yeah. Um, I, I like it a little bit more, especially the front end. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be a very nice refresh and, and welcome. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Also, we have a little bit of news from GM. So in an interview with GM Authority, which is a website that focuses on, you can imagine, GM products, uh, the vice president of global product programs, his name is Tim Herrick. He said that it's a possibility that with this current generation of Suburban and Tahoe, that they'll make an HD version. So they used to make an HD version of the Suburban they, it was basically an upgraded frame. The body was more or less the same, and it allowed you to tow more. Basically, was right. was the idea. So this is an interesting idea. The current generation, um, it's no slouch, right? I mean, it'll it'll tow it'll tow your boat, but it would be interesting to have a, a three quarter ton or a one ton variant like they used to make because there's no unlike unlike before when they made those versions. Currently, there is no other heavy-duty uh, SUV, period. There is there is no other one. So that would be really interesting, and I think they could definitely find a niche in the market for that.
1: Absolutely. I think there is there's, there's a, a definite niche, um, and I think the proof is if you look at the older HD Suburbans or even the Ford Excursion, these are vehicles that sell like hotcakes even still today and they still sell for a lot of money
0: yeah there's actually dealerships that specialize in these excursions you know and they name you know those are unique because they came with the large diesel engine from the from the super duty truck so those will really tow quite a bit and you know if you want to haul your family and your camper or boat or whatever those are kind of the only way to go yeah
1: yeah there's actually um, a company. I don't know if they are in Florida or Georgia, somewhere down south. Uh, I believe they're called Duraburb. That the only thing that they do is they they do HD Suburbans, mm-hmm. um, and they've been doing it for a number of years. You you buy a Suburban, whether it be new or used, you ship it over to them, and then they they pull the engine out, they put a diesel engine in it, they they make it a true HD, and pay over hundred grand and there you have, it. And, you yeah. know, and they've been in business and they still are making money out of it. So there's still there's there's demand. That's that's for sure. Well, my my question
0: is with the current generation, the current generation switched from a rear leaf spring setup to a coil spring setup, which Ram Ram has done on their 1500 pickup truck. I just don't know if it's possible to make a three quarter one ton SUV that you know will have that large of a capacity in order to justify making a three-quarter one-ton version that that has that the suspension can handle that weight. i don't know if that's possible but i guess we'll see how they go i know that the unimog uses a coil spring suspension so maybe it's maybe it's uh not as difficult as i think it is And, and i think that another interesting aspect of creating an hd version is actually, there's quite a few Suburbans that are armored versions that get sold in the country. Um, you know, of, uh, actually in South America as well, there's quite a few armored ones that get sold. And I think that that might actually be part of this is, you know, can we reasonably, is the new one already so heavy that we can't really modify it and armor it up for those special clients? And so we have to upgrade it. I don't know, but. Those are my thoughts on it.
1: Yeah, the thing is financially, I don't think it's gonna be that much more of a stretch to GM because they don't have to build anything they don't currently have. I mean they they just have to grab a couple of parts from the HD world here and there and then put it together in a suburban. So it's not like they're you know they're building something from scratch that it's an HD, that it doesn't share any parts with any other vehicles of their uh, lineup. So um, financially, I think it won't be that much of a stretch for them. And I think there's going to be a market. Is Now, is that market going to be huge? No, it's not going to be huge. But um, I don't know how it is where, where you live in your neck of the woods, but over here, where I live in Utah, it's extremely common to see uh, big pickup trucks, towing big boats, big toys, all through spring, summer, and early fall. Mm-hmm. it's just what you see every day all day on the freeway and well living in utah utah is known for having big families so uh, you know at least where where i live there would definitely be a market for it
0: yeah yeah well yeah i agree with that so let's let's uh, talk a little bit now about mercedes-benz and aston martin so what's the news what's the news over there
1: So it turns out that um, there's a a very good chance that Mercedes-Benz will actually increase ownership in Aston Martin. Now, this is going to be a very beneficial move for both parties involved because Aston will get access to Mercedes' upcoming electric powertrains, architecture controls, electronics, interiors, which as we know, that's what's been happening now uh, with the latest Aston Martin. It's a Mercedes powered plant with a Mercedes interior, um, but Aston Martin body. Um, And then um, Aston says it will refresh its front engine designs, expand the DBX platform and uh, release its mid engine cars. So the increase is said to be put around 20%.
0: I think I think currently they own around 2% Mercedes owns about 2% of Aston Martin and yeah yeah so this is this is interesting because I think that Aston Martin they've they kind of made big plans they went public they thought that that was going to be a big success and it ended up being that their stock price kind of crashed and that was right as they were making all of this investment into their mid engine Cars. So they have two mid engine cars coming up, a supercar and a hypercar. And I think that they've kind of ran out of funding to do that. So this will, I think, allow them to go through with that. As well as Mercedes has put billions and billions of dollars into their electric platforms. I don't think that there's very much differentiation between the platforms, the electric platforms. I don't think that you're going to notice driving an electric aston martin oh this is based on the mercedes-benz electric architecture like i don't think you're going to notice so i think that's a pretty smart move too if this episode wasn't enough to satisfy your petrolhead thirst join us on monday where we will go in depth into lewis hamilton's record-setting win and we will explore internet conspiracy theories on whether or not ssc cheated on its recent top speed record run Mm -hmm. That's it for this week's limited slip podcast. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss our insights into next week's automotive news. If you want to help us keep the content coming, leave a five-star review and visit our businesses at DaveTheCarImporter.com, where I help clients import their dream cars from South America and Europe for a flat fee or Borja's business on Facebook at auto pros, Utah, a full service auto repair shop. This is David and Borja on this week's limited slip podcast.